You're listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. I'm your host, Adam Rosen. I'm a fellowship-trained, board-certified orthopedic surgeon who specializes in knee replacement. Here I'll talk to you about common knee complaints and other orthopedic issues. We'll cover other important health-related topics, all of which are meant to helpfully answer some of your questions and help improve the quality of your life. Thanks for listening, and on with the next episode. Hello, welcome back. This is Adam Rosen. You're listening to my podcast. If you're not aware, I actually have um, two podcasts, and I'm actually going to record this and share this on both podcasts. Um, For those of you that are physicians or work in orthopedics and you're listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast, um, I think this is important because we are all healthcare workers. Um, And for those of you um, that are patients that are listening on the podcast, Your Knee, Your Health, Again, I believe this is important um, because there are healthcare workers that take care of you, but more importantly, people, all people um, are at risk. And it's a touchy subject, but I want to talk about suicide. And this is a topic um, I've actually been thinking about talking about since September last year when it was Suicide Awareness Month. Um, And I don't normally talk about my personal stuff um, here on the podcast, Um, you know, I try to keep it more scientific and health-related, uh, and even my friends and family know it's, it's um, not something that I normally do, is talk about me and myself, but I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to um, kind of share with you things. So what you probably know from listening to me previously is I like to talk about science and statistics, and I think that's important because we hear on the news um, a lot about death lately and a lot about suicide, and Previously, and and still today, people talk about so-and-so committed suicide, um, or someone tried to die by suicide and they didn't die, and someone says, oh, they failed um, at their attempt at suicide, and it's semantics, um, but it's always sort of been a negative connotation. So the appropriate way um, that it's felt to talk about this is that someone may have died by suicide, or just suicide, um, or death by suicide. Um, in any event, it's still bad um, for many reasons, and that's what we're going to talk about. But suicide is defined as death caused by self-directed injurious behavior with the intent to die, and it's the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. Almost 50,000 deaths from suicide were noted in 2019, and that's actually almost more than two and a half times the number of homicides. Worldwide, it's estimated 700,000 people die by suicide every year. And if you've watched the news, um, you've seen this has happened across all age groups. Five NCAA players have taken their lives by suicide since March of this year. Um, So it affects everybody. And it's a hard thing to talk about, but mental health is a hard thing to talk about. And we all have feelings. We all have thoughts. So you can be anxious, but not have an anxiety disorder. You can be depressed and feel depressed, but not have true clinical depression. If you do have depression, though, your risk of suicide is 20 times higher than the rest of the population. And along those lines, you may not have suicidal ideations, but still wish you were dead. 
And sometimes it's kind of funny in the sense of, you know, you trip and stumble and you're embarrassed. And it's that feeling of, I wish I was dead at this point. And sometimes it's just a terrible day and people will sort of use the thought or the term or the words of, you know, I always wish I was dead. Um, but that's all for that person. Um, when they've looked at statistics, 12 million adults have thoughts about suicide. So if you've thought that you're the only person that thinks about it, you're not alone. But the numbers start to get smaller as we get closer to the act of suicide, because 3.5 million actually make a plan. And 1.4 million actually attempt suicide. And again, and this is 2019, there was about 50,000 people that died by suicide. And you have to understand that when someone dies by suicide, it's not just them, um, that their friends and family are going to have issues too. So if you've thought about suicide, and at the time it's easy to think nobody cares about me, nobody wants me, um, I'm not helping anybody, but there are people out there, and those friends and family members will have anger, will have guilt, will have shock. They might even have thoughts of suicide themselves. And the reason I wanted to talk about this on this platform is because physicians and healthcare workers um, are a big proportion of those that die by suicide. And physicians are under very much increased levels of stress uh, for many reasons. The work itself is hard. Um, it's been noted that other factors that contribute to the stress of physicians are the electronic medical record, family issues, patient issues, financial issues, their own personal health issues, and more recently, COVID, which has just exacerbated all of those problems. WebMD reported that one doctor dies by suicide every day, and it, they quoted it as the highest suicide rate of any profession, and that's a big deal. Um, you know, we've seen in the news, you know, more and more healthcare workers um, that have taken their lives by suicide. So it is out there and it is occurring. But all healthcare workers are at risk. WebMD also had another um, report out and they noted female nurses were 70% more likely to die by suicide when they were compared to female physicians. And they also noted that this healthcare world that we work in is a stressful environment, which has only gotten worse. And they related the issues to the worsening patient-to-nurse ratios, um, the lack of supplies, and this feeling of, in that role, in a, as a healthcare worker, we want to help people. So this increased level of burnout and moral injury has been a factor, um, which has just worsened these issues. The other big issue out there are veterans. So veterans are a high-risk group of suicide. Everybody has heard the stories and seen this, the news reports, or you may have known friends or family members or loved ones that died by suicide. The Veterans um, Association reported 6,261 suicides in 2019, and that was 13% of all of the U.S. suicides. So everybody's at risk. You know, you got Young people, high schoolers you hear about committing suicide, college players, athletes, college students, men, women, healthcare workers, veterans, all people of all walks of life um, have lost 
or taken their lives or died by suicide. Um, and this is where, you know, I was thinking about this a lot. Um, again, I don't typically um, talk about myself, um, and I try to keep most of that stuff close to my chest, which is one of the reasons um, that I'll talk about later is probably the issues that so many physicians have trouble. Um, I always felt that I was pretty resilient. You know, I was used to stressful situations. You know, I grew up rock climbing and snowboarding and skydiving and doing things that most people, you know, thought were crazy. And there's, oh, you have a death wish. And, you know, most people that do those things are like, no, I have a life wish. I like doing those things. And I can multitask. Um, And not much got me frazzled. But I think all of those things that I've kept inside and all of those issues um, that we talk about with work and family and kids and finances and other burdens and the EMR and work and then COVID um, really took a toll on me. And I started feeling worse and I started feeling depressed. Um, and I thought I was, you know, going down a deep, dark hole. Uh, there were days that, you know, I wished I was dead. I never got to the point where I actually made a plan. Um, but sitting at a traffic light, I was wishing some semi truck would just smash into me and take my life. Um, or, you know, wish I blew a tire and my car went off a cliff because um, I just wanted all of this to be over. I started having panic attacks. Uh, and it got so bad that one day I actually went to the emergency room only because it was after strenuous activity. And again, I put my family first and I didn't want to be um, having a heart attack and not be smart enough to at least go and get it checked out. So it led to a whole bunch of cardiac tests, which turned out that my ticker is nice and healthy, but it was a full blown panic attack. And, um, I actually reached out to some people, um, at work and the responses I got were not helpful. And that's why I wanted to share this because like, if you're out there and you're suffering and you're struggling and people go, well, ask for help. Um, I did that and it wasn't so easy. Um, it was hard to get to the point where I actually asked for help. Um, you know, even in the ER, it, it, they were super, super nice and cardiac stuff was negative and it was like, well, it's not your heart, you know, but it wasn't beyond that of, are you okay? Is there something else that we can do and look into? Um, it was just, you know, left at that. And when I talked to people at work and people in um, positions above me, um, the responses I got back were, yeah, well, everyone's suffering. Everybody's having a hard time. Um, and it wasn't so much like, just deal with it. But that's sort of the way it felt. And I'm a realist too. And I I looked at it and said, well, you know, maybe I could have been more vocal about how I was feeling and how much difficulty I was having. Um, But I was reaching out. That was hard for me to do. And the responses I got back were not helpful. Um, I even, even reached out to my doctor and, you know, again, I wasn't very specific and said, I'm struggling. I'm having issues. Please help me. It was, um, do you have a list of you know, psychologists or psychiatrists? And the response was, no, we used to, but not anymore. Um, and then, like most workplaces, you got tons and tons of emails that just slam your email box, and lo and behold, more and more wellness emails. And they came through, but they were never really helpful. Um, it was, here's another module, or we're having a pizza party. But there was one from some healthcare um, behavioral specialists, like within the system, so I actually did reach out and said, hey, you know, um, do you have a list of, of people in the area? And 
I got a list back that they said wasn't all of them, but they narrowed it down. And it was over a hundred therapists. <laughs> and I had no idea where to start. I mean, I was over, already overwhelmed and anxious. And it was like, where the hell do I even start with this list? So I just started at the top. And this number was disconnected. That number was disconnected. This person moved out of state. This person didn't accept my insurance. This person was booked out for months and months and months. Um, and again, you kind of feel like you're on your own again and you're helpless. And um, after a while, I kind of reached back out and said, hey, look, you know, I've gone through two pages and I can't find anybody. And they said, well, let me narrow it down. Try these three. Great. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. And, and one of them um, was super nice and fit me in, and um, now now I'm seeing that person regularly, and they've been extremely helpful. Um, for those of you that are spiritual or religious, you know, there's I have some spirituality stuff that I walked away from during all of this because you know I didn't want to do anything, um, and I've gotten back to that that's helped. Um, the big thing for me too, and the, and the most important thing for me was you know my kids, and you know again not really planning how to kill myself, um, but really wishing strongly that I was dead at times and not wanting to get out of bed and go to work. But I got up because I felt that I needed to work to care for my patients. Again, probably one of the reasons that many of us get into this situation. I needed to be here for my kids. I wanted to see my kids grow up. I wanted to see them graduate. I want to see them have relationships and have children and do those things. Um, so now, you know, I'm feeling a lot better, but to do that, I've made changes, uh, and and those changes are all positive, but they're hard because they're different. And you know, when we work as hard as we do, um, it's hard to make changes, and it's hard to open up, and it's hard to talk to people. But it's important, um, and that's just why I wanted to share that this isn't just statistics and me telling you to ask for help if you're hurting, but you know, to open up and actually say, I was there for over six months, and. Um, and I'm better now. I'm getting better. It's not over, but I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and there's groups that are out there talking about this, like the American Medical Association. Um, they've noted, I mean, all this stuff, and I pulled all this stuff since September, so I've had all this stuff sitting on my desk. Um, but they noted that physicians are under increasing demands to deliver quality care with ever-changing rules and administrative hassles and red tape that interfere with their primary goal, which is to care for the patient. I mean, that's the definition of moral injury. You know, we don't want to say doctors are burning out because they're trying to do their job. It's just everyone else around them is really making it harder. Um, and maybe if it wasn't made harder than it already is, they might deal with it better. Um, the AMA notes in this thing that, you know, even in early training, the mentality is there to push, to push people to be mentally strong, to have strong stamina, to get through long days, be on their feet, tolerate stress, work long hours, be sleep deprived, and really have little to no free time. In this discussion or this article that they have, you know, they noted also that anxiety is caused by a lot of the issues that surround how we do our job. You know, the anxiety was worsened because of poorly designed digital EMRs, administrative hassles, large amounts of student debt, family burdens, trying to raise children. And COVID's only worsened this. COVID was not the cause. So people going, oh, like, you know, it's COVID and, and that's the reason. No, COVID was just the straw that broke the camel's back and made all of these things worse. 
The CDC has a whole bunch of information on this topic of suicide also. You know, they noted that a number of reasons that healthcare workers were more at risk of suicide is because of these long hours, difficult working conditions, that they're emotionally stressed because you're dealing with difficult situations on a regular basis. There's a risk of infectious disease exposure. You know, in the past, I mean, we're always at risk of communicable diseases, um, but even now so with COVID, that has increased the risk um, in the beginning. But even back when HIV um, was around and there are other diseases that we worry about, we don't see them as much in this country, things like TB, but other diseases that when we take care of these patients, we can get infected also. And also the fact that we're just regularly exposed to people dying and suffering. Lastly, they noted that a lot of people in healthcare have access to these lethal medications and they know how to use them. So it's a big risk factor. Um, There's also a a handout that I found, 10 facts, um, and I'm not going to go over all 10 of them, but by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. um, But there were some important facts that I want to point out, and they noted that 23% of physicians had suicidal thoughts. And there's a number of drivers of burnout which included workload, work inefficiency, the lack of autonomy, and a work-home balance. They found the rate of suicide of male doctors is 1.4 times higher than the general population. But even worse than that was the rate of female physician suicide, which was 2.2 times higher than the general population. There was also a study um, that was done not too long ago by Mental Health America. They found 93% of healthcare workers were experiencing stress. 86% had anxiety, 77% voiced frustration, 76% noted exhaustion and burnout, and 75% were overwhelmed. You know, and these are the healthcare workers that are supposed to care for you, supposed to care for people. Um, And these people are not doing well. So, you know, what do we do going forward? Well, you know, I saw a post on social media um, recently, and a person had screenshotted a test that they were required to take. Um, and it just drives home how blind um, some people are to the realities of what's going on. So the question, I forget exactly how it was worded, but basically it was along the lines of multiple choice, you know, which of the following are um, the way to reduce um, burnout? And um, they had picked one of the answers, which was get more sleep. And that was wrong. And they had guessed again, and it was work less hours. And they clicked on that. That was wrong. Um, And the correct answer was to do a module on mental wellness. And if you don't know what modules are, modules are um, these online tasks that leadership or administration makes workers do um, to meet these metrics. And they do it for all sorts of things. I mean, it might be important things on medications or drugs, but more recently it's been on, you know, wellness and things like that. Um, So it just kind of goes to show you that a module is what they think is going to help and Nobody really kind of believes the modules are the sole solution. It may improve some things, but there's a lot more stuff that is causative that probably needs to be fixed and addressed. Um, so it's a lot of information. Um, I'm going to close you know, with a couple things, uh, a statistic from the CDC, and then based on their stats, you know, one person dies by suicide every 11 minutes. So basically in the time that this podcast ran, um, someone has lost their life by suicide. Uh, and again, there's probably many reasons. So the thing that I would ask that you do is ask for help. If you're listening and you're struggling, 
ask for help. Um, if you see somebody and you ask them how you doing and they go, okay, but th- there's something inside you that tells you they're not okay, keep asking, keep checking, keep you or keep being aware of what's going on around this person because if they're struggling, they may not admit it, they may not tell you, they may not ask for help. But again, if you're that person that's struggling, ask for help again and again and again. If you ask for help once and nobody helps you, just keep asking because there are people out there that can help um, and want to help you. Um, But sometimes as much as people want to say it's as easy as asking for help, it's not. I experienced that. Keep asking. Uh, Until next time, you know, stay safe. Seriously. You know, I always say stay safe, but seriously stay safe. Ask for help. Um, Take care of yourself. Take care of others. And I will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. If you've not already done so, please subscribe so you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. I'm your host, Adam Rosen, and until next time, stay safe.